Thanks for tuning in to the ABC Music Talk podcast, the show for anyone interested in the music industry. Now, digital distribution is once again becoming a hot property in the acquisition market. So how do independent repertoire owners make sure they remain as such? My guest in this episode has a good suggestion through his recently launched service. But first, time for me to remind you all to go rotate your video. Rotor is for artists, managers, labels, or anyone in the music industry who needs to create video content for promotion or monetization. Rotor makes it fast, easy, and inexpensive to do all of that in one place. Head to www.abcmusic.co and click the Rotor logo on the homepage to access a 10% off discount for the service. So, welcome to the show, CEO of Distro Direct, Andy Irvin. Good to be here. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining. Um, so this should be a fun episode. I am somewhat familiar with digital distribution. Uh, so so I hear. It's, uh, it's kind of been my it's kind of been my life. So uh, so come on then. Um, let's have the elevator pitch. Like what, what's it all about? So DistroDirect is essentially a white label distribution solution for small to medium music businesses that uh, have really good existing artist networks or have the ability to reach artists and to offer another service to, you know, potentially what they're already offering to their to their artist base. So really it's about, you know, providing a platform where all the technical stuff is taken care of uh, and all the customer service is taken care of, more importantly, and allowing uh, music businesses to really focus on building artist relationships and being able to then you know, monetize those artists, get the, you know, the, the streaming data for the artists and be able to really focus on getting the best outcomes for those artists. And, and as you know, really the, the industry is built on, on building those relationships and trying to get the best outcomes. And we think if we can do all the, the dirty work behind the scenes and offer a branded portal where uh, music businesses can offer a distribution solution within their own brand, then this is a way to try and get those better, better outcomes for artists. Yeah, very good. So, I mean, so really you're, you provided a lot of the, the, the stuff that isn't as important as the marketing and promotion and engagement with the artist and audience. Yeah, correct. Definitely. So, you know, it's, it's really about, you know, it's, it's digital distribution, as, as you would know, there's a, a lot of kind of cogs that kind of happen behind the scenes when it comes to, uh, to you know, dealing with the operation side of the business. So uh, we don't expect people to have to learn or to know too much about that. We kind of take ha- handle all that stuff and, uh, and ultimately leave it to those businesses to, to cultivate those relationships and to do the marketing promotion and whatever else that they can do to, to try and drive those, uh, those better streaming outcomes. Okay, so but you didn't just walk into creating this this concept, right? You you, you must have had a background in <laughs> in digital distribution because otherwise, why on earth would you get into it? Um, so come on then, what what's the background? Where did you start, and what, you know how how did you get to this point? Yeah, I mean, I've been doing you know in the digital music space since about two thousand and six. So um, pre Spotify days, um, you know, like many in the industry, I started out playing music myself and. And trying to make it and doing the band and the touring stuff but uh, I moved to so I grew up in Brisbane in Australia where I'm where I am now uh, and I moved in 2006 to London and I spent four years there and that was sort of coming out of being a musician myself and then um, starting to, to work in the industry for the first time so 
Um, I worked in the, a digital in the digital space for a music merchandising company, and in those days, that was pre-iPhone as well. So it was like selling animated wallpapers for about five quid a pop um, of you know um, metal bands and stuff like that. So they that was quite a good business until you know mobile internet really took off and the iPhone took off and everyone could download their own wallpapers without having to pay anything. Um, and and soon after that, moved into the label space and I was working uh, in digital distribution at Universal Music in London, uh, working, you know, for releases uh, for the rest of the world, so putting out, you know, Mercury releases locally, but also putting out sort of all the Island Def Jam stuff and... Uh, yeah, throughout the world uh, and, and controlling the supply chain. And that's really, you know, where, where the digital distribution stuff started. And then, you know, obviously that was back where, you know, iTunes dominated the landscape um, pre, pre-streaming. And soon after that, Spotify launched and, you know, the whole landscape changed. And so I sort of spent um, a number of years there in London and then I moved to Sydney and I was heading up the production department there. Uh, for again digital distribution and physical distribution and uh, from there moved up to back home to Brisbane I was working for an in, a big independent label who that the sort of the label services side of things was sort of becoming a bit bit more of a feature of the landscape at that point so that you know the, the whole idea of having to sign artists on long-term deals was becoming less of a thing and the whole label services market was starting to open up around that time. So I helped to establish the operations for label services uh, company and then uh, moved to open my own distribution company, which was uh, in Australia, New Zealand, is called GyroStream. And so we're, um, you know, the biggest independent uh, retail distribution company here and, uh, and then spent the last 18 months developing our white label solution for our international market. So, yeah, that's the kind of Cliff Notes version of, of uh, you know, my journey, I suppose, in terms of, you know, I've always worked in the distribution space uh, my entire music career. So it's always been back office operations uh, and that side of the business. It's never been the flashy front of house A&R and marketing side, um, but, you know, I'm a bit of a data nerd and, and you know, with, honestly, you know, as you know, without distribution, nothing gets uh, on those commercial platforms and no one makes any money at all so you know it's a critical part of the supply chain for for artists so you know I've, I've worked everything from the the big uh the big label side right through to you know where i am now and sort of the more independent um retail distribution side we've clearly had a very similar kind of upbringing in this industry which is uh, which is excellent and and you're absolutely right of course you know it is uh, you know very much the foundation of of how so much of the sort of the digitization of music uh, you know now now functions um i mean it's been highly sort of you know commoditized now and there's lots of sort of options out there that's why i was really interested in what you had done uh, because i'd lived through a similar kind of like life cycle of seeing that the you know additional services being added to a digital distribution company and so often many of our of the clients that i've worked with you know were distributors themselves you know or they were people that were operating as such uh, and so you know what you've actually created feels like you know a 
a product that we probably always wanted to get to and we never did and certainly in, in companies like uh, Ingrus. Um, so, so why do you think people want to run their own distribution service? Like what motivates them to do that instead of, as I've sort of said, you know, go to one of the many options that are out there? Because there's the whole gambit, right? I mean, there's DIY, you know, pay per play type of distribution. And then obviously the whole sort of range of straight distribution through to those that have got the label services as, as a sort of main focus. Like what, why do they come to you, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really good question because I think the way that we just explained it a little bit then, the way that the market has been moving recently is that everyone is becoming, is upskilling and having to become skilled in so many different facets of the industry. So, you know, you know, everyone is almost running their own little label, regardless of whether you're a single artist or you're a traditional label or, you know, you're a PR or a music tech. I mean, you know, the, at the end of the day, you know, what drives those outcomes for artists is, is being able to, to get their streaming, you know, to get on their playlists and do all that sort of stuff. So people are having to find ways to do that outside of the old methods of A, signing a record deal or B, you know, hoping that their distributor is going to be out there promoting their music when they've probably got 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 other priorities that week. Um, so people are having to get really savvy about sort of cutting through all that noise. So, you know, the good managers are building the, the networks with the DSPs themselves or, um, you know, good PR companies are building networks themselves and so forth. So what we're finding is that, you know, through necessity, a lot of these companies are building out that label services without really intentionally having done that as their goal when they may have started out, but they turn around and they review what they've done and they realize, well, actually, we can do this ourselves pretty well. We just need the infrastructure to be able to scale it. So, you know, I use the example of, say, a management company who, um, you know, they can, they, they have the resource to maybe, you know, properly manage five or ten artists. Um, but, you know, at that point, they get so many demos coming through every month, but they can't physically do anything with them because they can't sign every band that comes over their desk. But, you know, they've built this amazing network that they can actually help all these artists. They just don't quite know how and they don't have the ability to manage the assets, to do all the financial reporting for their royalties, to be handing off their streaming data to them, to be able to, like, you know, for them to give access to their catalogue. So, um, the reason that we built the DistroDirect tool is to for companies like that that can say, well, I you know I've got all these amazing networks, but I just don't have the tools to be able to really capitalise on that. So what if what if I could take that five or ten artists and expand it to twenty, thirty, or forty or fifty artists that I've got that I'm looking after? I don't need to sign every single one to a management deal, but I can bring them in. I can give them advice. I can help them out. I can provide them with some marketing tools or some kind of basic entry level stuff and get them in the platform and and you know use the strength of my business and my company to try and drive some outcomes and I've secured that artist. And if things go really well, of course, you can upstream them into a label deal or something like that. But, you know, managers, you know, they don't necessarily need to be experts in distribution to use a platform like ours because we do all the hard work. Again, it's just coming back to that building the relationship side of things. So that's where it becomes really important to be able to, you know, provide that tool but also realise and understand that, you know, there's so many great music businesses that have all these connections that, can use those connections to scale. They just need the right infrastructure around them to do that. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot in there to, to unpick. I think, you know, part of what you've identified is that there has been some frustrations in the way that this part of the industry has grown up. Uh, there was a an element of sort of bottlenecking that went on at, at one point uh, where there were sort of two things that impacted that. One, there was too much music coming through 
you know, pipes, if you like, that weren't capable of really handling volume of, of that level. But then, of course, you ended up with the DSPs themselves saying, well, for this one company over here, we need to limit the amount of you know, priority releases that, that we can listen to, that we can engage with them on from a, a marketing point of view. And so I think that's where, where, you, where you said a lot of repertoire owners are now developing their own relationships to, you know, with DSPs, you know, partly encouraged by Spotify for Artists and other kind of initiatives that have come out of the DSPs where they've been a bit more welcoming of those direct connections with managers and artists themselves and, and perhaps even, you know, labels. Uh, you know, you're really sort of finding your position there in part because of some of the failings of the, of the industry elsewhere, which I think is really, it's, it's, I love this sort of involvement of of the music industry. You know, uh, it sometimes just needs to, to go step through those processes. Yeah, and I think as well, you know, what we've seen over the probably the last eight years is because, as you said, there was so much content, so much music coming through that to you know, almost to survive, a lot of companies really had to, remove the human element to some parts of their business just to be able to put through that much content. And I think, you know, now we're seeing artists really want that connection back. And so, you know, being able to use a business that you trust, that you know the person that runs the business or you can ring them up. And so we've got this idea of like premium boutique distribution where it's like, you know, you actually have a relationship with that person that's that's uh, that's putting your music out um, and that, you know, rather than the sort of big faceless sort of company that has the canned responses to the emails and all that sort of stuff, whereas, you know, from an artist's perspective, you know, you would much rather go with someone that you can pick the phone up and have a conversation to or that you know is actually interested in your music, is probably listening to your music because, you know, they're, they're building a business based around um, – that you know boutique style, and they're they're really focused on getting those those outcomes, as I mentioned, for those artists. So I feel like you know for for a large number of artists, that's becoming really quite important to them. Whereas you know five six years ago, over the past five years, it's really you know there's a lot of companies that have just been sort of hoovering up as much content as possible, and that's been their business model. But for a whole swathe of artists, they feel a little bit disconnected from that. So that commoditization has uh, obviously expanded the. The number of songs out in the world exponentially over the last five years, but you know it's left a lot of artists a little bit disenfranchised as well. It's it's so interesting hearing you talk about how the the need for that more personal touch is, is you know a re, now a requirement really rather than a sort of a nice to have, uh, and it's it reminds me of from a technical point of view one of the the sort of catchphrases that we had. Uh, an early company I was involved with, which was pushing to the edge of the network, because we knew that there wasn't a way of managing it, all those individual relationships in in the way that we were we were struggling. Which was uh, at the time it was more to do with uh, the actual origination of the of the assets. So that was creation of metadata in a digital form, which I know sounds weird now, but we were looking at bits of paper or backs of CDs or you know, uh, Word documents that, that needed to be put into a spreadsheet that needed to be then be put into a database, ripping CDs, you know, sometimes even ripping vinyl for our sins, you know, and, and you know, and, and, or even scanning the artwork, you know, off a, off a CD cover, because it just didn't exist in the digital format. And the, these were, of course, the very early days of it. And so what we, we had a problem of a bottlenecking at that point. And what you're talking about is the, the bottlenecking of, of relationships that, that are required to actually, you know, 
get that message of the artist out to the audience and and that's a and that's a much more uh important part of that and but but it's still the same kind of need it's it's yes you can aggregate things all into one sure as you're doing right because you've created a platform you've created a a set of processes from a singular platform that can then be given to lots of other people to then operate and run as they as they wish and and it's just it's just this sort of continual sort of process of some of it being centralized but then pushing others out to the edge of the network so i just i just really like how these things evolve over time so thanks for sharing that with me i definitely feel like it's it's a different way of looking at um distribution because people have been focused on the the scale model for you know so long now and and that's what people talk about in the media a lot about you know the big players that have come come through over the last couple of years and and the catalogs and the amount of music that gets pushed out and the number of songs that get uploaded every day to spotify and those are sort of the news headlines but you know i think it's you know from our point of view we're, we're trying to take a different approach and really think about let's focus back on the artists themselves not about the sixty thousand songs that get uploaded every day and how do we try and you know get artists to become more engaged with the people that they're working with in distribution so that that you know they feel like that they're being taken care of essentially yeah i totally agree with you and actually i'm, I'm sure you'll remember that at one point it was a very public facing thing for the dsps to talk about how many tracks they had on their service i mean that that and that was their focus and it's interesting that we're still talking about this sheer volume and numbers uh, idea but some somewhere in all of that we we're getting a bit distracted by what's really important um so this is good and and i think you've answered this already but just let me ask the question again so do you your clients can be everything from artists themselves managers labels and distribution companies is it is it the full gambit or do you typically find that you're hitting a sweet spot on the sort of the, the more volume end like a distribution company it was one of those ideas that kind of spawned out of the whole COVID thing last year as well. I mean, we were, we very much, our 2020 was mapped out to really push our business internationally. Um, and, you know, the original plan was to just, you know, open up our retail distribution in Europe and the USA and kind of, you know, throw money at it and sort of hope for the best. But, you know, we wouldn't be, it, there'd be no point of difference from a lot of the other players and such. And when we started to see what was happening with COVID very quickly and, every studio in the world had to almost shut their doors overnight and had no other income coming through and you know management companies you know couldn't do any touring you know and all the other things that were happening in the industry it was like well gee you know we looked at ourselves and we thought wow we uh, we're in a very 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 lucky position because you know people are still streaming music and artists don't really have much else to do other than release music so um, we were in a very fortunate place so how do we how do we take that and how do we help some other some of these other businesses in the industry to be able to build this part of their business out so that you know if these sorts of things happen they've got that uh that recurring income coming in on a month-to-month basis from their um from their catalog uh through distribution and so that's really where the whole idea started and 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 we soon sort of realized that you know there's there's far more to it than just just simply helping out those businesses with all the things that i've just explained but um, you know, going back to your original question, it really is a, a wide gamut of, of management and music tech. Um, certainly is very interested um, and labels and um, studios. And really, in, yeah, our, our, our aim is really anyone for, that has a, um, 
that has access to artists um, and is looking to really sort of do their own thing, their own premium boutique distribution. Um, we're not really in the business of, uh, you know, just producing DistroKid competitors, for example, or something like that, you know, the, the big retail stuff. Um, we're, we're really interested in working with sort of the small to medium music enterprise that's, uh, that's looking for a tool like this to be able to scale what they're doing. Um, but it's not, you know, it's sort of, like I said, we're not really looking to 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 um, businesses that might be putting through, you know, tens of thousands of tracks a day or anything like that. It's really trying to be a little bit more premium and a bit a little bit more niche than that. Yeah, that, that that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. And and let's just talk about royalty reporting for a moment. Um, it, just in terms of it being one of those things that is always so much of a headache. Normally, one of the most under resourced departments in in a let's say a major record company for example uh and it's it's in the digital age obviously become a lot easier from the point of view that the 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 transaction information is already digitized and therefore is easier to put into some form of database and therefore be further uh you know delineated into whose pockets it should go into so how, how do you how do you handle it do you and because obviously you're talking about you've built a system for a company to run and operate another company as in in essence so that you've got people that are the business layer that are then dealing with the the artistry for probably for the most part so so what how sort of deep do you go in terms of that that royalty reporting breakdowns yeah, I mean, we, we definitely have the the business layer. Obviously, the layers have all been factored in and all been built in, so it's a multi-layered system. And we also do, uh, we offer split payments for artists within that platform as well. So, you know, that's the what, you know, similar to other services where an artist can split the, the track level royalties with their collaborators such as you know producers or featuring artists or songwriters or whoever else that they want to split with who will then can then join the the uh the service of that the branded service and collect that income um and so like you said it's it's uh and that was something that we launched we did it we did a big review and and did a total upgrade on our royalties platform in march of this year to sort of future-proof it a little bit more than uh, than what we had been using for the first couple of years, um, so we have a you know a really good data processing um, service that we use that we're able to to tap into and yeah it's uh, it, it works really well. It gives us very sort of granular detail from obviously it's very important for our our partners that we work with the brands to make sure that they have full access to the royalties for their entire store that they're running. And to see can break down every single artist uh, that's and every account that has been made for that particular store, so they've got access to see that, and they'll know exactly the royalties that they've earned from each particular uh, artist or user um, that's using their service, and they can customize the royalty rate uh, on an account by account level. So it's really you know you can you can start to build in really interesting tiers to what you're doing, so you can have your default rate when an artist signs up to your service but then you can go in and change that depending on the other services that you might be offering whether that's marketing pr labeled services all that kind of stuff so all that's factored in um and you can change the royalty rate on an account at any time so that you know you can upstream them into to better deals so that's from the the, the store side and then from the artist side again you've they've, they get their full royalties dashboard they can withdraw their balance directly to their bank account in just about every currency around the world 
um, and uh, that's sort of an automated process. Um, and they get yeah all their their royalties data sitting in their dashboard for them uh, when they need it. So yeah, it's a it's a pretty intuitive system, and there's a lot of data that we offer, and, and trying to really be as transparent as possible with the data that comes through the system. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I, I maybe for some people there, if they're you know if they grew up with the internet age, they're thinking, well, of course it will do all of that stuff. But it really hasn't been like that for so long. And it's been a headache for people, you know, and you you rightly mentioned payments there as well. Of course, that was the other thing. If you're a a smaller distribution company, you just aren't set up to handle that, that, that part of the administration loop. So it's great to hear that you've kind of got all of that baked in, which is really, really excellent. And, and, and sort of thinking along those lines, in my role as a as a general consultant these days, I, I you know because of my history, I think I I will often get whether it's an artist, a label owner, uh, somebody who aspires to be a distributor, they they will they will come to me and they will ask all sorts of questions like you know should we go out and do our own direct deals? Should we go off and build our own you know technical setup? Should we use Fuga and should we use Curve and should we, and they name check all of the companies that they've come across, and and you know and I and it's always such an interesting dialogue that I have with them because I start to ask them questions about why would you want to do that piece of it like what are your reasons for wishing to do that bit of it are you an expert in that part of it so but of course there are so many different you know elements to to be being you know putting a record out right and so where you know what are your sort of recommendations for somebody looking at using your platform could it be for everyone or do do you think that they've got to have got to a certain level and you know have something about them and and have a, a general mission in mind. i mean you know i don't want to put words in your mouth but you know yeah no of course i mean i really de- i mean it really does depend on the case by case of, of what you know and and also that the resources they've got because as you know like it's there's a lot of knowledge that you need to behind the scenes in distribution and it's changed the landscape changes all the time and so you know if that's something that either you know you are willing to take on and learn um or hire someone to do that then yeah of course that people can do that themselves and they're doing that all the time and it really depends on the resources and the capability that you've got within your own company as to make that call um, you know, our system's been designed to really be full turnkey so that you don't need to, you know, learn all that knowledge or hire that expert so that you can just plug it in and away you go and focus on the things that matter, like, you know, the the, the, um, the marketing and promotion of your artists and, and, and using your artist network to, to bring in more artists into your platform. So, but that, that model doesn't work for every single company out there. You know, there's plenty of labels that have, that do have their own in-house production people and digital supply chain people, um, and they've got to that scale over you know x amount of years and and the successes that they've had with their music, and they can do that themselves, and and that's absolutely fine. And and so really, you know, coming back to the original question, it does it does kind of depend on where they're at in their journey um, in terms of what the best solution would be um, from a distribution side of things because there are so many options out there um, and you know the the standard platform where you know you control the assets you upload them you get the reports you have to then pay out all the artists and do all that admin um, you know the unique thing thing about our system is that that's all handled for you you don't need to 
you know, the amount of admin that it cuts down because we tell you exactly what accounts and what artists earn what every month. And so, and they can come in and pay themselves. So you don't actually have to need to do any part of that process. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of where it changes. But, you know, there's, there's going to be still plenty of labels that get to that stage that go and get their own Merlin deal or go and, you know, do the food, the Fuga route or, or whatever and, and manage that process themselves as well. And that's, that's fine. And, and, you know, that they're not particularly the sorts of companies that we would be looking at taking on because they've built the skills and the know-how over time where they don't necessarily need to plug into an, a fully automated system. But if it's something that they want to, you know, scale down in terms of their resource and admin, then something like what we offer would be perfect. Okay, so you 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 don't adopt other people's direct deals. You you only uh, have people plugging into the deals that you already have on on the network. Is that right? Yeah, it's a it's a solid solution that way for sure. And of course, as you rightly point out, there are already companies in the market that provide that other type of optionality. So uh, good. No, I just wanted to clarify. Thank you. And so uh, typically, where we get to with the, with these with these platforms is you know bolting on other things that are related. So normally for the the record side of the business, neighbouring rights is uh, a, a piece of revenue that is often you know underrepresented, uh, mainly because it's uh, you know it's an administration job in 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 many respects. You know, you've got to make those registrations, and uh, and of course a lot of the data is originated through the digital distribution process. Is that something that you've looked at so far? Yeah, we've we look we we in the very kind of early stages, we've done some really basic neighbouring rights stuff. For our gyrostream brand in Australia, we haven't rolled it out to the Distro Direct yet because we really spent this year making sure that the you know getting the distribution part of the platform absolutely perfect, and we have a few updates to go on that um, to and a few enhancements that we're working on before the end of the year. Um, but it's definitely a space that I see as our kind of next logical step um, in terms of what we can offer. Um, and, you know, we're getting great feedback from all of our, you know, customers and stuff, you know, every day with various things they'd like to see on the platform. So it's really a matter of trying to prioritise the ones that we see that, that have the most benefit. But it, personally for me, I've had a number of neighbouring rights conversations with people and other and various companies this year about where we will fit into this space. So it's definitely, whilst it's not available, you know, as part of the white label platform at the moment, it's definitely something that is on our radar. I would, I would imagine it would be. Um, and of course, bec uh, for those rights to be neighbouring, there has to be something else involved. So next question, publishing. Uh, <laughs> you know, is that is that also something that you've thought of as, as you know, a, a solution that, that a platform style like yours could operate as such yeah i mean i would never say never the reason that we haven't got into the publishing space really is uh you know we work to because we're an australian company we work very closely with our local pro here which is apra and um we and therefore you know we we don't really you know we've tried to have avoided sort of going into that space um, when there really is sort of one big player here locally. Um, as we develop our networks overseas and we start to get that sort of demand from some of the people that we're working with, we definitely may look at it. But it's not, so, it, you know, for me, it's probably not something that's coming in the near future or the near term. If we do it, we want to make sure that we're doing it right because uh, the copyright space, as you know, is, you know, complex at the best of times. 
Um, so, you know, and, and really, you know, the, that, that side of things is not my area of expertise. So we really need to focus on how we kind of achieve that in the best possible way. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely neighbouring rights is, is far more of a um, plausible thing for us at the moment, but, it's, uh, but publishing is, is still a little bit of time away, I would imagine. Yeah, I suppose the, the publishing question really sort of comes to mind because uh, there's been a, a focus on those set, two sets of rights, if you like, the, you know, the, the songs and, and the, the, the recording rights coming together for, for platforms, platforms like Twitch where you get these companies that say, well, just give us all the rights. And of course, typically they're, they're not because they're created by different people that have different representation. So um, that, that was really sort of where I was thinking about that. Have, have, you, have you had many inquiries from, from companies that have asked you to try and help solve some of these problems? Not not yet, no, and that's part of the reason that we haven't really dived too much headfirst into this space. So, um, you know, a lot of people have sort of existing solutions, I suppose, uh, the people that we're dealing with anyway. So it's not something that's really come up. It's, like I said, our focus at the moment is to really make sure that our distribution platform is, is as best as it possibly can be. Uh, and you know that's that that kind of ethos has served us well thus far. We don't really want to bite off more than we can chew at this stage. And you know, going into those those other things is definitely quite an enormous undertaking in its own right. Yeah, very much so. Um, good. Well, I completely understand. You know, you need the need and want to uh, you know get things right first of all uh, before you move on to other things. Uh, that that certainly makes a lot of sense. And so, speaking of that. Uh, what's on the roadmap? What can you share? What 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 are you excited about? Uh, yeah, good question. Um, so yeah, we've we've we're putting definitely a big development push into just continuously optimizing the platform, and you know some of the things that we need to do is really to to get up to speed with a couple of things that you know requests that we've got, um, and you know other things are, are really you know trying to to look at ways that we can actually help the artists that are in the actual network themselves. So, you know, part of what we're really trying to do over time is to be able to not look at all of our white label partners in isolation, but how do we actually start connecting some of the dots up and being able to actually run global campaigns through some of our partners. So, you know, looking at, you know, various parts of the world and various campaigns that are coming out and how we can actually start hooking them into into one another to 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 look at you know pitching opportunities in other parts of the world for for specific campaigns and I think that's really where the the value um, of this product is going to lie for a lot of people and, I, and I'm very excited about the opportunities that that could bring so that when you're you've you know you're an Australian artist but you're plugging into our DistroDirect network through Germany, the UK, the US, and South America, for example. Um, then you know you're you're getting that assistance through our partner network, um, and it's very transparent. And you know you're working very closely with people on the ground in those markets, and and you're really having a truly global release plan um, through that. So and and then you know the quid pro quo for. For other partners that we've got who are who are looking to do the same thing in other markets, so you know my vision for this over time will to be able to sort of plug all those people together 
and to really be able to create a network and not think about all of our partners in isolation, but how do we actually drive those better outcomes for artists globally um, for specific campaigns? So that's uh, that's something that we're going to sort of really push quite heavily next year. Oh, that sounds great. It sounds really, really good. And it sounds like absolutely the right focus for, for what you're doing. Uh, this is excellent. Well done. Uh, yeah, really appreciate you coming on the show and telling us all about it. I think that it's hopefully for some of my listeners going to give them just a, something else to consider when they're thinking about this. Uh, and in fact, I'll probably end up pointing people that say, hey, what should we do about distribution to this episode? And just say, well, listen to Andy, see what he's got to say, because he's, he's seen that he's, he's done it, he's lived it. Uh, so I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about it it's my pleasure it's been very enjoyable thank you okay so to my listeners thank you for listening as ever I welcome all feedback comments and suggestions for future shows my twitter handle is at Alex Branson same for Instagram uh, or head to the website www.abcmusic.co where you'll find a contacts page also a shout out to the incredible audio assassins who provided the music branding for the show and if you like the show please leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts Thank you very much.